Thanks for being back tonight and uh, worshiping God together and studying from His Word. I hope the things we talk about tonight are helpful to you. Tonight I want to bridge on a lesson we talked about last Sunday night about modern-day prophets and talk tonight about miracles. Many are claiming to work miracles today, and we need to ask the question, are they really working miracles? Are these people really from God? And uh, this is an important question. It is somewhat of a repeat for some of us. We talked about this not too long ago in our Sunday morning class, but I thought the two went together well and are very important. And um, I think we want to make sure that we're firmly established on this question of, are there miracles today? Before we can get started in that discussion, we need to define terms about what a miracle is. Because the word miracle gets thrown around a lot today, and a lot of times it's used in ways that are inaccurate, at least with respect to how the Bible defines miracles. You know, someone might say, you know, Leah and Andrew get here tonight without uh, an accident, and they might say, Mark was driving, it was a miracle that we got here. Well, not really a miracle according to Bible terms. Dictionary.com defines miracle as an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. We might define it as a miracle being a violation or a, uh, something that exceeds or goes beyond natural law, when natural law is broken. The Bible uses multiple words for miracle multiple Greek words. The gr first Greek word is uh, simeon. Uh, that is sometimes translated as a sign, an indication, especially ceremonially or supernaturally, a miracle, sign, token, or wonder. It's used many places in the Bible to describe what we would call a miracle. In Matthew chapter 12, beginning of verse 38, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. They wanted to see some type of miracle, some type of indication that what Jesus was saying was true. And he says, You're only going to get one, and that is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And that sign we know of is the resurrection. He says, Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. In Mark chapter 16, verses 17 through 20, the passage I should have told Mark to read tonight, Mark 16, verses 17 through 20, and these signs, that Greek word simeon, will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with the accompanying signs. They were working these miracles. These miracles were tokens or uh, an indication that what they were speaking was true. They were miracles. They were showing what they said was true. Jesus proved that he was the Son of God by these simeons or signs that showed that he was from God. In John chapter 20, verse 30, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so Jesus did these miracles that he did 
while he was here on earth to show that he was the Son of God. It is used often to, to validate a divine commission, to attest that the message that one is delivering is from God. And these are uh, translated signs many times, the Greek word simeon. The next Greek word is, uh, is terata, and that is a Greek word that means a, a wonder. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4 uses this. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, God also bearing witness with, with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. These wonders, these things that are supernatural, things that, uh, that uh, defy natural law, that indicate that it is an act of God, a terata or a wonder. Dunamais is the next Greek word that is associated with miracles in the New Testament, and it means literally or figuratively miraculous power. Romans chapter 15, verse 9, uh, Paul says, In mighty signs, that, that's miraculous power there, the, the word mighty is used, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that Jerusalem and roundabout to Elicrim, uh, uh, I, uh, I have fully preached uh, the gospel of Christ. He references it, as all, it also in 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, verse 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawlessness, lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And so this lawless one would be working these deceiving signs. Dunamis. And then finally, the Greek word argon is, uh, is often translated to work. But in John chapter 10, verse 38, it signifies miraculous works. Jesus said, but if, I do, uh, through you, uh, but if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that would be the miraculous works that he did, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And so we need to make sure that as we ask the question, are there miracles today, we understand the Bible definition of miracles. A miracle is a supernatural act, something that goes beyond natural law and an act of God that goes beyond natural law. To answer the question, if there are miracles today, I want to approach it similarly to what we did with prophets last week. And I want to state at the beginning, if there are miracles today, then there are some facts that must be true about the people who are working the miracles. The first thing that we would have to say about the person working miracles is that that person must be teaching exactly what the Bible teaches. If there are people working miracles today, that person must be teaching exactly what the Bible teaches today. That is because miracles were used as a sign that God was with that person and what the message that they were bringing was from God. And so if that person is bringing a message that doesn't align with what the Bible teaches, we can conclude that that person is not working a miracle today. In John chapter 3, in John chapter 3, as Nicodemus comes to Jesus, notice what he notes about the miracles that Jesus was doing in John chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Notice this. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus says, you know, if someone can come and work a miracle... That a miracle is a supernatural act, something that goes beyond the natural laws. That means that God has to be behind that. No one can do those miracles unless God is with him. 
And so if someone's going to do a miracle today, everything they teach would have to align perfectly with what the Bible is teaching. And so that's one way we can evaluate uh, someone who claims to work a miracle. Compare what they're teaching to what the Bible teaches. And if it doesn't line up completely, we know that that person is not working true miracles because miracles are a sign that God is with you. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17 again, notice that God, Jesus said that the, these things would follow those who believe, these miracles they would do. And then in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with the accompanying signs. God was working miracles through these people in the first century who were preaching the gospel to affirm that what they were preaching was from God because you didn't have the Bible in the first century, remember. The Bible hadn't fully been revealed. And so if John or Peter or Paul come into town and start teaching you a gospel saying this is what you need to do to be saved, this is what you need to do to be pleasing to God, there's no way to verify that. I can't go look at my Bible and say, well, in the book of 1 Timothy, what he said, is, it lines up with that. That must be true. And so the miracles were the signs to, in the absence of the New Testament to confirm the word. God was confirming the word through the miracles. And so if there are miracles today, we would have to conclude that the person doing the miracles would have to be teaching exactly what the Bible teaches. And if they're not, we know they're not working true miracles. And I also want to tell you this evening that if a person is doing miracles today, if miracles exist today, the person doing the miracles must not be motivated by fame or by money. You know, there are a lot of people doing miracles today who are working miracles for the fame and notoriety and prosperity that can come from someone who claims to work miracles. We see them on television today, don't we? Benny Hinn, you ever seen him? Working those miracles with stadiums full of people getting rich, filthy rich, flying around in his private jet. He looks like he's motivated by fame and money. But in the New Testament, those who were working miracles were not motivated by fame and notoriety and prosperity. In fact, they refuse it. In Mark chapter 14, beginning of verse 5, that writing is small on the screen. Hopefully you can read that. If you can't, you can follow along in your Bibles. But in Acts chapter 14, beginning of verse 5, and when a violent attempt was made both by the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was setting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? 
We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Paul and Barnabas had the opportunity to be incredibly famous and popular, and they wouldn't accept it. And they're bringing these things to sacrifice to them. They said, no, we're not going to take that. We don't want those sacrifices. Many today who are working miracles are motivated by the money and the fame. And we see in the New Testament that was not a motivation for working miracles. And furthermore, if there are miracles today, I want to tell you the miracles must be done like the miracles in the Bible. They have to be miracles like the ones that were done in the Bible. Many today are doing miracles that cannot easily be verified. They're doing things like curing people of headaches or indigestion or stomach pains, things that aren't visible to the observer. And so if someone walks up to someone and says, I have a, I have a headache, and he says, he hits him in the head and says, you're healed. I've not, no, got no way to verify that that's been done. In fact, it's been documented by these so-called healers today that they are refusing to have people come on stage who have obvious physical defects that can be observed. Here's one such example. This is from Wikipedia about Benny Hinn. In November of 2004, the CBC television show The Fifth Estate did a special title uh, a special titled, Do You Believe in Miracles? on the apparent transgressions committed by Benny Hinn's ministry. With the aid of hidden cameras and crusade witnesses, the producers of the show demonstrated Hinn's apparent misappropriation of funds, his fabrication of the truth, and the way in which his staff chose crusade audience members to come on stage to proclaim their miracle healings. In particular, the investigation highlighted the fact that the most desperate miracle seekers who attend a hen crusade, the quadriplegics, the brain damage, virtually anyone with a visibly obvious physical condition are never allowed up on stage. Those who attempt to get in the line of possible healings are intercepted and directed to return to their seats. At one Canadian service, hidden cameras showed a mother who was carrying her muscular dystrophy afflicted daughter, Grace, being stopped by two screeners when they attempted to get into the line for a possible blessing from Hen. The screeners asked the mother if Grace had been healed, and when the mother replied in the negative, they were told to return to their seats. The pair got out of line, but Grace, wanting Pastor Benny to pray for her, Ask her mother to support her as she tried to walk as a show of her faith and action, according to her mother. After several unsuccessful attempts at walking, the pair left the arena in tears, both mother and daughter visibly upset at being turned aside and crying as they explained to the undercover reporters that all Grace wanted was for him to pray for her, but the staffers rushed them out of line when they found out Grace had not been healed. A week later at a service in Toronto, Baptist evangelist Justin Peters, who wrote his master's divinity thesis on Benny Hinn and has attended numerous Hinn crusades since 2000 as part of his research for his thesis and for a seminar he developed about the word of faith movement called A Call for Discernment, also demonstrated to the hidden cameras that people who look like me, 
Peters has cerebral palsy, walks with arm crutches, and is obviously invisibly disabled, are never allowed on stage. It is always somebody who has some disability or disease that cannot be readily seen. Like Grace and her mother, Peters was quickly intercepted as he came out of the wheelchair section. There is one at every crusade, situated at the back of the audience, far away from the stage, and never filmed for Hen's TV show. In an attempt to show the line of those waiting to go on stage, an attempt to join the line of those waiting to go on stage, and he was told to take a seat. Oh, they're coming out to Benny Hinn's crusades in wheelchairs, but they put them at the back of the room, and they keep the, t the cameras off of them. And if those in wheelchairs want to come on stage, they're told to go back to your seats. They don't want people to come on stage who have visible physical ailments because they realize that if they come on with a physical ailment, they need to go off the stage being healed without that, and they can't heal them from that. They're healing people of these defects, these these ailments that no one can see to verify if they, be, they have been healed. Contrast this with the types of miracles that were conducted in the Bible. Jesus walking on the water. The raising of dead people to life again. The healing of those who are deaf and as a result of that mute. They were able to hear and immediately begin speaking without any speech therapy. They're immediately able to speak. Those who had been lame from birth and are able to jump up and leap and walk immediately, as in Acts chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. This is someone who has never walked before. And we've all seen the toddler who has never walked before try to learn how to walk. It's not a pretty sight. This man's never done it. And he is healed immediately. Not only is he able to walk, he's able to jump and leap. He's healed perfectly and immediately and visibly. Peter didn't say, oh, you're going to be healed. Go to see the physical therapist for six months and you'll be able to walk again. No, immediately he was able to walk and leap. That's the kind of miracles that were done in the Bible. And if miracles are truly happening today, that's the kind of miracles that we need to see. Those that are obvious and apparent and cannot be denied. If there are miracles today, the person doing the miracles needs to do the miracles like they were done in the Bible. And I want to tell you, the reasons for doing the miracles need to be the same as they were in the Bible. A lot of people today view miracles as just being there to heal sick people. That we need miracles today to heal sick people because that's what miracles are for, just to heal sick people. But I want to tell you in the Bible, 
miracles weren't just for the purpose of healing sick people. We've already looked at the reason for miracles, haven't we? Miracles were to confirm the word that was spoken as being from God. Miracles were not just to heal people of diseases and infirmities. In fact, we know this by looking at the life of Paul. Paul had the ability to work miracles. In Acts chapter 28, on the island of Melita, notice this. What is said about Paul in Acts chapter 28, verse 7. In that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Paul is able to heal people. We see from this account uh, that there's no denying Paul had the ability to work miracles. But this ability to work miracles wasn't just to heal people of their diseases. Because we know this for several reasons. Look at all the people around Paul who were sick. And they remained sick after being around Paul. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, look at Timothy. Paul tells Timothy, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Timothy had stomach problems, it appears. Whatever he had, he had lots of infirmities. And Paul didn't say, Hey, Timothy, let me hit you in the forehead. You're going to be healed. Let me lay hands on you. You're going to be healed. You don't have to worry about that. No. Timothy was still sick. Obviously, healing wasn't just to free people from disease and infirmity. Furthermore, look at Erastus in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. Erastus stayed in Corinth. I'm sorry, but, but Trophimus, I've left in Miletus sick. Trophimus was sick, and Paul left him behind to recover. Why didn't Paul just heal him if that's what miracles were for? Miracles are just make, to make people better. Why didn't Paul heal him? He didn't. He left him there sick to recover. And we even know about Paul. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Why didn't Paul heal himself? No, he had to remain with that thorn in the flesh. Miracles weren't just to heal people. There was a purpose behind them. And yet many today are just looking for miracles as a pure means of healing. And so if there are miracles today, the person doing the miracles must be teaching exactly what the Bible teaches. The person doing the miracles must not be motivated by fame or money. The person doing the miracles must do miracles like the miracles that were done in the Bible. And the reason for performing the miracles needs to echo the reasons that were given in the Bible. What I want to tell you tonight, <clears throat> as we continue to look at this question, that we can confirm and, and conclude that there aren't miracles being done today anymore. And the Bible is clear on this for several reasons. Number one, there weren't miracles recorded throughout the history of time. You know, I think a lot of people, if you were asking them, have miracles always existed in the world? And they would say, yes, obviously there are. But no, as we look at Bible history, miracles were not ubiquitous throughout times. Miracles came and went for special purposes. They were not consistent throughout the history of man. I know this from looking at the Bible itself and at the history of the Bible through the Old Testament. We see there were times when miracles were performed and times when they, when they weren't. And the psalmist confirms this in Psalm 77, verse 11. 
In Psalm 77, verse 11, notice what the psalmist says. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. When the psalmist wrote here, he didn't say, Y'all remember your wonders that you do all the time. No, he was remembering the wonders of old. And so it is, as we look at the history of the Bible, we see that there weren't miracles constantly throughout history. And there aren't miracles in, for, in work today because the purpose of miracles has been completed. The purpose of miracles has been completed. There were various purposes of miracles. The first miracle that we see, uh, purpose of miracle that's in the New Testament we see is to prove that Jesus was the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 2 beginning. Matthew 11 beginning of verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to him, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. John sends two of his disciples to Jesus to just ask Jesus, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? There's some question about whether John needed to know this for himself. Maybe his faith was wavering in prison. Or if he sent these two men to Jesus for their benefit so that they would learn that Jesus is the Son of God. But whatever the reason, the answer that Jesus gives them shows the purpose of the miracles he was doing. The purpose of the miracles was to show that He was the Son of God. He answers the question, but not by saying, yes, I'm the Son of God. No, He answers the question by saying, you go tell Him what I'm doing. You go tell Him the miracles that I'm doing. That'll answer the question. The Son of God can do these things because He is the Son of God. The, so the signs prove that Jesus was the Son of God. We've already looked at John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The miracles and signs that Jesus did were written so that we would, could believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so the miracles prove that Jesus was the Son of God. And John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, tell us that since John recorded them and the other uh, apostles recorded them, or the other gospels recorded them, that we no longer need to have Jesus performing the miracles for us today. I don't need Jesus to come here to Franklin, Tennessee in 2022 and work a miracle so that I can believe He's the Son of God. No, I have His miracles recorded here. And by reading about the miracles that He did, I can have confidence that He is the Son of God. I don't need Jesus to work miracles anymore. That was one reason why miracles were done in the New Testament. The second reason miracles were done in the New Testament was to verify that the word that the apostles were preaching was from God. In Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16, we've looked at this verse already as well, verses 19 and 20. So then after, Je after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. They were preaching the word through the accompanying signs. And Hebrews chapter uh, 2, verses 3 and 4 I don't have this one on the screen. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 also shows us this purpose of miracles. Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him? Notice this. God also bearing witness with both signs and wonders 
and with various miracles and gift of the Holy Spirit according to His will. The apostles were proclaiming the gospel of Christ and God verified what they were teaching was true by the accompanying signs and wonders and various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Miracles served to verify that what the apostles were preaching was the word of God. And then finally, there was one more purpose of miracles in the New Testament. And that was in the time of the first century when disciples did not have the complete revealed word of God. Miracles served as a means to encourage the saints and edify the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. They were in the first century, in the absence of the, new, of the completely revealed New Testament, using miracles to edify the church. But since the New Testament has come, there's no longer a reason for that. We don't need miracles today to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. We have His miracles recorded. We don't need miracles today to prove that what the apostles was teaching was from God. We have that verified in the New Testament. And we don't need miracles today to encourage the church because we have the New Testament for that. That is what we use today to encourage the saints. And so the purpose of miracles has been completed. I want to tell you also, and this is the same point we talked about last week, that the Bible tells us of a time when miracles would end. We don't have to read this passage again uh, for sake of time, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we looked about at last week talked about that when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. And that is in the reference of these spiritual gifts, one of those spiritual gifts being miracles. That perfect that was to come is referred to as a mirror. We looked at James chapter 1, verses 22 and 25, through 25 that refer to the Word of God as a mirror that tells us uh, how God sees us. And when that came, the miracles and spiritual gifts would be done away. And the things that would remain are faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love because we talked about faith would not be here when Jesus uh, comes back. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 24 tells us hope won't be here when Jesus comes back. So we know that that which is perfect is not Jesus' return, but it is the Bible. So the Bible tells us about a time when miracles would end. Furthermore, the Bible tells us that the way that spiritual gifts were transferred no longer exist. There were two ways documented in the New Testament of how people got miraculous spiritual gifts. One of those was by the gift of, or by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is only recorded as occurring two times in the New Testament. The first of those times is in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, where Jesus foretells that this would happen in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus says, you're going to receive this Holy Spirit baptism not many days from now. And that happened about 10 days later on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They got the ability to work these miraculous gifts by Holy Spirit baptism. And we read about that in Acts chapter 2. And the only other time we read about that is in Acts chapter 10, when Peter comes into Cornelius. And as a sign that the Gentiles were accepted by God, they received Holy Spirit baptism as well. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word, on all those who heard the word. And so they received Holy Spirit baptism in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. But in Acts chapter 11, verse 15, Peter's called into question as to why he went into the Gentiles. And notice his explanation of this. In Acts chapter... Whoops, Acts chapter, Acts chapter, that's not on the screen either. Acts chapter 11, verse 15, as he's recounting this incidence of Holy Spirit baptism, Peter says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, that's Cornelius and his household, as upon us at the beginning. The only other instance of Holy Spirit baptism that Peter could equate this with and show that it was similar to was what had happened on the day of Pentecost. Those are the only two places that the New Testament tells us about Holy Spirit baptism. Those are the only two places we believe it ever happened. And that was one way that you could get spiritual gifts. The other way you could get spiritual gifts was by the laying on of the apostles' hands. So the apostles could lay hands on you in the first century, and you could receive the gift to work miracles. In Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 in Samaria. They had heard the word preached by Philip, and when the apostles heard about this, now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So the apostles, when they laid hands on people, they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Simon, the sorcerer, saw this, and he said, hey, that would be cool if I could do that. Give me the ability to lay hands on people so they can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You remember he was condemned for wanting that. But that tells us the fact that when the apostles laid hands on you, you could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is shown also in Acts chapter 9, verse 6, or 19, verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they all spoke with, they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So you could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit baptism or by the laying on of the hands of the apostles. But if you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of the hands of the apostles, you could not pass that gift on to others. Simon the sorcerer showed us that in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 6, we see this as well. In Acts chapter 6, as they are selecting the men to care for the widows, notice who's selected. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to list others who were chosen. But Stephen was chosen, and Philip was chosen, and whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Simon, or sorry, Philip could work miracles, but when he went to Samaria, you remember he taught the gospel to them, and yet they could not receive the gift of Holy Spirit from, from uh, Philip. The apostles had to come from Jerusalem to uh, give them the ability to work miracles. 
And so, the way spiritual gifts were transferred no longer exists since Holy Spirit baptism does not exist today. And since there are no apostles to lay hands on people today, the ability to work miracles cannot be transferred to others. And so, are there miracles today? No. There are not miracles today because miracles were not uh, constant throughout history. The purpose of miracles has been completed. There is no longer a need for miracles. The Bible tells us a time when miracles would end and the way spiritual gifts were transferred no longer exists. But when we make those statements and those claims, there are going to be some who object, and quickly we'll look at some objections that some might raise. First, someone might say, well, are you saying that God isn't at work today? If you're saying there aren't miracles in the world today, are you saying that God is not at work today? No, we're not saying that. In fact, we just got done reading uh, from the book of Daniel, chapter 4, verse 7, and other places in the book of Daniel, where God over and over again says He is in control and He's at work in the world today. Daniel 4, verse 7, This decision is by the decree of the watchers, and the sin is by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. God is at work in the kingdoms of men. He's still at work today. And Paul understood this in Philemon, verses 15 and 16. As he sends back Onesimus to Philemon, he says, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but much more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but much, how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. God still works providentially in the world. And Paul is suggesting that perhaps Onesimus coming to Paul and going back to Philemon was part of God's providence. God still works providentially today. He's still at work in our lives today. But he doesn't have to have miracles to do that. Some might also say, well, does God not heal today? You're saying that miracles don't occur today. Is God not healing today? Well, yes, he's still healing today, but he doesn't have to use miracles to heal. God is able to heal today without using miracles. We reference Paul's thorn in the flesh, and for for. Uh, concern about time tonight, we won't have to read this passage, but you remember that Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and he asked God to heal him of that thorn in the flesh. There's no indication here that Paul was asking for a miraculous healing. God still still heals today. He just doesn't have to do so miraculously. And my battery just died. I was worried it was going to do that. Some might say, well, why would we pray? if there aren't miracles today. Why will we pray? Well, again, God still answers prayer. In fact, we're commanded to pray in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. We pray today. Because God will answer prayers. Again, he doesn't have to work miraculously to work providentially in the world today. And finally, someone might say, well, don't you think we need miracles today? I'd answer, frankly, no. The purpose of miracles is ended. We have all that we need today. Do miracles still still occur today? I think from what we see in the scriptures, it's clear that they don't. And we need to to be uh, grounded on this fact because many are being led away by those who practice false miracles. Many are having their faith destroyed because people are telling them that they can work miracles and they're being led away from the faith. 
I spoke to a woman many years ago whose faith was shaken. She had terminal cancer or some other terrible disease. And she had been told that God is still working miracles today and that she should expect to be healed by God miraculously. And she hadn't been healed. Her disease continued and it continued to worsen. And she told me, she said, I even wonder now if there is a God. Because I've been told that God works miracles and He hasn't worked one on me. I wonder if there even is a God. People's faith is being shaken by these folks who are claiming to work miracles and they're not working true miracles. We need to be aware of that. Miracles were for a special purpose. They confirmed the Word of God. They confirmed that Jesus is the Son of God. The question is, do you believe what they confirmed? Do you believe this? And does your faith cause you to live by it every day? If you're here tonight and there's anything that we can do to help you spiritually, will you let us know while we stand and while we sing?